Have you been diving deep into health and nutrition and want to learn more? Up for a chat, Sidney O'Meara and the Functional Nutrition Academy present to you the Intro to Nutrition course. This 10-week introductory program is the perfect kickstarter to help you gain knowledge, get empowered and develop a healthy relationship with food. To find out more and to get access to one of the world's leaders in nutrition, go to www.thewellnesscouch.com forward slash nutrition. TheWellnessCouch.com, streaming wellness into your lives. Sit back, light the fire, kick your shoes off, because it's time for That Paleo Show with your favorite caveman, Brett Hill. Welcome to That Paleo Show, making the paleo lifestyle easy and accessible for everyone. I'm Brett Hill, and this week I'm joined by Amy Clark from Primal Influence. Amy has been on the show a couple of times before. She's probably our most populous guest on that paleo show. Um, But she's coming back because she's got a brand new book that's come out, which is all about cooking with green banana flour, which I am fascinated about. Now, Amy, you have sent me some copies of this book, and I must confess that I haven't done it yet. So I'm really curious to chat to you about it, and you can inspire me to get started. So welcome to the show, Amy Clark. Hi, Brett. Thanks for having me. Thanks for coming on. It's been a little while since we had you on the show last. What have yeah, you guys been up to up at Primal Influence? Lots of cooking and eating. Uh, <laughs> um, just the usual, lots of playing and we've had lots of rain so we've been getting out and playing in the puddles. Uh, lots of exploring and lots of kids' classes and, yeah, a lot of kids' classes actually keeping Clint busy, which is good, keeping him uh, out of trouble. <laughs> nice. Well, tell us a bit about the kids' classes. What sort of stuff are you doing with them? Lots of play, just uh, lots of uh, games. Sometimes they just run around and chase Clint and wrestle him because that's how they feel on the day uh, after school when they've been sitting and they're a bit fidgety. Um, Lots of natural movements and his favourite, I guess, tool that's always in the car to take, like fancy equipment is the pool noodle. (laughs) (laughs) It's always in the car and a broomstick from Bunnings, which is used for lots and lots and lots of games. So that's always keeping him creative uh, and keeping the kids guessing and learning new things. So yeah, it's a lot of fun. Hopefully not paddling them with the broomstick. No, no, jumping over it, <laughs> under it, uh, that sort of thing. Yeah, not not hitting them with it. <laughs> All right. And you guys always have fascinating meetups with your Primal Influence group up there on the Sunshine Coast. So what sort of stuff have you been doing recently? What have you all been getting together and doing? Well, it's really slowed right down. Um, the Sunny Coast has changed a lot in the last year and people are sort of, um, they've sort of come a long way with their knowledge and, and don't necessarily need that one-on-one or that group support and interaction so there's you know so much on the internet now so we're still chatting with everyone online we're just not doing so many meetups and unfortunately a lot of businesses have closed down that were here that were trying to do a bit of paleo um but we still support the farms there's so many farms have just had a massive amount of rain so all the dams are full so the next few months should be really positive for the farmers so it'll be good to keep in touch with them and um, see how their produce is going and be able to share that information with everyone and try and keep supporting the local farmers. That's great. You guys do a great job up there. It's an awesome group and an awesome community you've developed. Now, yeah, it is good. your latest thing is this green mm. banana flower. Now, yeah, until you started thing. talking about it, I'd never even heard of green banana flower. So, how did you hear about it? 
Oh, it's yeah, it's very new. It was sort of new. It's new. It's catching on slowly, but so many people don't know what it is. Um, I guess because I've I'm so into what's going on in the natural health sphere, I kind of always keep my ear to the ground. And I don't remember how I came across it, but I must have seen and because I cook so much, I'm always looking at recipes for inspiration and ingredient ideas and. The whole cassava flour thing really took off last year and started sort of getting popular in Australia. And I must have seen green banana flour pop up somewhere and looked into it. And I ended up connecting with the um, farmers up in Can- near Cairns who created Natural Evolution Foods green banana flour accidentally when their green bananas dropped early from a cyclone a while ago and which is funny because we've just experienced another Queensland cyclone Um, and they were going to go bust when they couldn't sell their green bananas because they were too too obviously not ripe to sell they were too green the shops didn't want them and they were just piled up all over their farm and realized when they backed over some in a tractor that what came out was kind of powdery (laughs) And flowery, and they ended up making it into a product and then revolutionizing that by making a processing method in their shed that's so quick and hygienic and keeps it raw and in a really healthy state. Um, and they, re- they did lots and lots and lots of testing. They're always doing testing on the, the, the different structures of their flower and the health benefits. And there's so many nutrients in green banana flour in its raw state. And it's a resistant starch. So it was a new a new flour that meant you could, could use another alternative to gluten-free cooking and definitely paleo because it's obviously not a grain and very versatile. But there's just so little known about people just don't understand what it could taste like. They can't picture it until they try it or see it and use it. They're just so afraid to start using it. So it hasn't quite boomed yet. But I'm hoping I can help change that. <laughs> so basically, it started as roadkill, is what you're saying, Amy? Yeah, basically, an act, total accident, and now it's become an amazing product. They also do beauty products because it's amazing for the skin. I've got a tub of their ointment, which is just this really simple, no scented, basic ointment that goes on the skin, and it is so good for inflammation and and bites and all sorts of skin issues. It's absolutely amazing. So the benefits of green banana are just phenomenal. So it's not just a really cool cooking ingredient. It's really, really healthy for so many reasons. It's amazing. Now, I'm kind of fascinated by this green banana idea because we go through truckloads of bananas in my household mm-hmm. and because we're always putting them into our paleo pancakes and then we mm-hmm. put them into our smoothies and then we put them into the school kids' school lunch boxes. So we're mm. always going... So usually when I go to the supermarket or go to the markets, I pick out some you know ripe looking bananas and then I'll pick out some really green looking bananas so mm-hmm. I can make it through my Let them week. ripen. Yeah. So don't green bananas just ripen themselves? They do. So they have they pick the green bananas before they're anywhere near ripe off the off the off the trees and get the flower out so they extract it in their fancy way that they've um, they've uncovered how to do and it dries out into a flower and it just gets bagged and used and it doesn't ripen, it doesn't change. Um, and it's different than using green banana fresh. So it's different than if you get a green banana and just try and use it. Um, and, yeah, it's just made into a, a baking flour or different products like smoothie mixes and things. Uh, so And some people say to me, oh, is it like when you use plantain? I said, well, it's similar. It's a different fruit altogether. These are literally just ladyfinger and cavendish bananas 
that you and I, like you said, buy at the shops to to let ripen up and eat. Um, and if you cut open, if you try to peel a green banana, and if you've ever used a plantain for the purpose of cooking with it, you know you can't peel it with your fingers. You have to get a peeler and slice the skin off because it's so tough. It's not ready to be peeled off yet. Uh, and cut into the flesh and it's this really firm, not sweet, very starchy, sort of powdery um, feel about it and that that can be broken down into flour and dried out. So, yeah, that's the difference. It's not using the raw, the fresh flesh. It's using um, the flour made out of that. So, how do you extract a banana, green banana flour from green bananas? I don't know the exact processes. These guys have a lot of uh, information on their website and they do a lot of videos. Uh, Farmer Rob's sort of the face of natural evolution and he, he talks a lot about his processes. I don't know if they've uncovered exactly what it is. I think, they, I think they're pretty uh, open about their processes, but they, uh, they use biodynamic practices on their farm and really, really quick. I think I read that they're processing machine that they've made has reduced down to a 25 minute uh, processing time to get the flour so that's pretty cool 25 minutes so they can pump out a lot of flour um, and yeah I don't know the exact extraction method but uh, what you get is I sort of call it like a uh, texture wise it's like a cross between coconut flour and normal flour um, it doesn't because uh, you know the weirdest flour I guess we've had in paleo that's been really big is the coconut flour and it's it's so unique and banana flour is unique again so when people say to me what's it like what's it taste like I say it tastes like and uses like green banana flour it doesn't it's not like anything else because it is it's such a unique uh, thing from a particular plant so uh, yeah, you've got to really use it and taste it to understand. But it's it's fibery, it's earthy, but not like coconut flour. It's, I wouldn't say it's fibery like coconut flour, but I'd say it's earthy. And uh, it's got a dark color and a dark um, result. Uh, it goes darker once you cook with it. And it's just really interesting, but it doesn't have any sweetness. So even though you're saying green banana flour, we all know green means not ripe yet. Everyone's first question is, but doesn't it make everything taste sweet? <laughs> and I said, no, it's not sweet yet. It hasn't sweetened yet. So it, it can't act as a sweetener and it doesn't taste like banana. It tastes different. <laughs> so it's something you have to try to understand what it's like. I can't really explain it to you. <laughs> and I know you don't know the exact extraction process, but do you know anything about like what temperatures they do it at and whether they need to use any chemicals or anything like that? They use no chemicals. Oh, Farmer Rob is so passionate about the quality of product. We chatted on the phone recently for about an hour and he just told me, so much about what he's interested in uh, with organic certification and biodynamic practices and hygiene and uh, comparing to other brands on the market. He keeps testing his to make sure it's the best um, and testing others so he can compare. So I don't know anything about their extraction, but I just know that no chemicals are used. They're so passionate about what they're giving the customer. That's why I fully endorse their, their brand and, and just wouldn't use anything else, um, not even another probably organic brand because I just know that they're – unless I find that their quality is up there, but at the moment my understanding is that their processes and their quality is, is the best. So – and then as with any new product that could become really popular, it may get more popular in the marketplace. We may see lots and lots of brands popping up and consumers have to be a little bit careful about – 
what the quality is and where that's coming from. These guys will show you around their farm. They'll show you everything on videos. If they weren't so far away, we could all go there and see it. But because they're you know, west of Cairns, it's a little bit tricky. So they put everything on Facebook and their website and they've got no secrets. It's just top quality, very passionate about quality. So, yeah, that's I like that. I'm always looking for that when I'm endorsing anything. So let's talk about cooking with coconut flour. Mm. Uh, sorry, with green banana flour. You said it's a bit <laughs> like coconut flour. So in a way, it, it's does earthy. it have those same kind of properties? Where you know, coconut flour is like really thirsty. Okay. Like you have to yeah, put so much liquid in there to thirsty. try and make it work. No. So you know, when you're using when you're doing the transition measurements from regular flours or gluten-free flours with grains to coconut flour, it's usually at least less than half the quantity um, because you're going to have to add so much water. Yeah, or way more liquid and eggs. Yeah. Yes, yeah, so it's nothing like that. It's, uh, I think my my ratio difference, if I was cooking with, say, a cup of nut meal or a cup of gluten-free flour, I'd use two-thirds of a cup of banana flour. So it's a little bit less um, but not thirsty. It's definitely not as thirsty and it's not as fibery and – yeah, that's that's the big difference. Is it's not nothing like that thirst thirst um, need that coconut flour has, which is good. So, it's obviously coconut flour is so everywhere now. You can access so many brands, and it's really, really, really affordable. The per kilo price has dropped dramatically in the last couple of years. Um, banana flour is not there yet, but for a lot of the recipes that I've come up with it's not even really a recipe it's just a way of using it and you can use almost nothing so it can go a really 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 long way i made a cheesecake yesterday and the base was a biscuit base it's in the ebooks and how much flour do i use about half a cup of flour for the whole base and the base was quite thick and i had two i had a little bit left over to go into two other little baking dishes to then make something else later on so i could have used less i could have used less than half a cup so it does go a really long way because it's a strong flavor so that's a big difference it tastes unique and it tastes stronger than most flours so you you need to keep that in mind and it means you can use a little bit less um in certain recipes and in certain dishes because the flavor, you don't want that to overpower what you're maybe coating it in or putting it with. Uh, And then the other cool thing is it's so filling because it's so nutrient dense that you don't need a lot of it anyway. Like that cheesecake, Clint and I would normally eat quite a fair bit, but we had a slice each and we were absolutely stuffed and we were sustained for a long time. Um, you don't feel hungry again for ages. So that's where it can last. So, you know, people will start looking at it on the shelves and go, oh, it's a bit expensive. I don't know if I can afford to use that. But they'll find they don't use much of it and a bag will last a long time. It's not something you might even cook with every day. It's might be for a cheesecake or the bread on the weekend. And even my bread recipe has hardly any banana flour in it. So it's it's pretty good, pretty versatile. Sounds good. It sounds good. I'm looking forward. I'm going to have to give it a go now. I'm going to have to go Definitely. find where I get green banana flour from and, and give it a crack. And obviously, it sounds like there's only one brand I can choose, so I'll have to find it. Um, but <laughs> you mentioned resistant starch earlier. Um, yeah. Tell us a bit about resistant starch. That's something that's been sort of popular and spoken about a fair mm-hmm. bit in the paleo community over the last few years. Yeah, I didn't know much about it until uh, I was putting these ebooks together and and sort of was learning a bit about it for my own health. It wasn't I wasn't making recipes for a particular health reason. I wasn't doing it under any particular label except for just general paleo. Um so I wasn't really learning anything sciencey about it and I'm not a sciencey thinker so I don't necessarily go for all that 
information. I just love cooking with it and I love eating it. And I knew it was healthy. But when I started learning from my own health recently from my nutrition guy that I needed to just temporarily cut down some starches and sugar from just my sort of weekday eating, not my weekends so much, but just just maybe five days a week, cut back on a bit of the sugar. Um, some of the starches I was eating was a bit high, and I like sweet potato. And I said to him, "Oh, what about green banana flour? I have that sometimes because I'm making ebooks, I'm making recipes, and I'm then I'm eat, obviously eating them." Um, he said, "Well, I don't know. I don't know much about it." So I started researching and I spoke to the guys at Natural Evolution and talked about the resistant starch, how it changes when it's cooked. But um, so when it's in its raw state, the flour, it's a pretty high level of resistant starch, which feeds prebiotic. It's a prebiotic in the gut, so it feeds the good bacteria. And then when you cook with it, it actually reduces. But like potato, when it's cooled, the level comes back up, not quite as high as when it's raw, but probably just that level underneath. So it's really fascinating. I thought that was really, really interesting. So a lot of the foods you make with it are best texture-wise eaten that day, but some things can't be eaten that day. So they might sit in the fridge overnight for a couple of days. It actually gets healthier <laughs> after it's been cooled. So it's, it's, it's similar to potato in that way. I do know some people who need um, certain resistant starch and certain amounts in their diet for different reasons can do cooked and cooled potato. And that's, I'd heard of that. I didn't know why. And now I understand that it's when it's cooked and cooled, the resistant starch level comes back up again after it's been dropped from cooking. So when it's still warm, it's lower. But it's not so low that it's bad for you. It's just lower. <laughs> so in its raw state, it's ideal. That's the best best form of resistant starch. And from my reading, we need like a variety of different resistant starches in our diet. So it's one variety. It's not... The, you wouldn't rely on it for just that whole thing that you need in your gut. So that's sort of my understanding from all the reading that I've been doing lately. But, yeah, it's really fascinating. So they make raw smoothie mixes and powders that you can just mix into liquid and drink. So then you're getting that full level of raw resistant starch. Um, but then when you're baking with the baking flour mixes that they've made, that's when you just need to be mindful that it changes when it cooks. If you're looking at it from a health point of view, but no matter when you eat it, it's filling and it's still got a lot of other benefits to it. So a lot of other nutrients are in it. So tell us a bit about the cooking you've been doing, Amy. You've been playing around with this resistant starch and making up some recipes. What sort of stuff have you been making? Lots. Well, I first got onto it about almost two years ago when my friend Dan, the Aussie paleo chef from Canberra, was visiting us. We were going to hold our camping retreat and it got cancelled because it flooded again it's flooding now so that's really funny timing that we're talking about this and he was stuck with us for five days cooking it was so much fun and he said oh I love banana flour and I said I've never used it and he said well I'll go get you a packet and we'll start using it so he went and bought me a packet of natural evolution banana flour just a small one from the health food store and I wouldn't have probably picked up a packet and just started using it I was not a creative cook I was a really simple meat and veg kind of person because I needed to for my health. And he showed me a couple of recipes. Uh, he showed me his crepe crepe recipe and we had crepes, like sweet crepes with chocolate in it and coconut cream and all sorts of cool stuff. And um, from then on, I was hooked because I knew what it tasted like and I liked it. I could see that it was really, really versatile and 
I knew how to use it with other with liquids and sort of how it worked when you put liquids and eggs and things with it. And I was just hooked. I started baking. I didn't bake before. I didn't care about baking before. And then all of a sudden, I was interested in it because my creativity was starting to come out and and. I enjoyed that and I know a lot of people don't have time for that, they don't have the interest for that. So I've kind of done all that hard work of working out different ways of using it and lots of sweet recipes and then lots of savory because you don't you think of flowers in terms more of baking something sweet mostly, but I have come up with just as many savory recipes as I have sweet. So breads, pizza bases, um, crepes, wraps, all sorts of things, just coating meats and fish. And then the recipes I've put something else with it, so how to make a side that's healthy with it and that sort of thing. And then the sweet sweet recipes are my favorite because like yesterday I made the cheesecake. Um, and, and I can do it differently every time. And now that I know how it works, I don't have to measure the ingredients. I just know how banana flour works with eggs, with oil, with uh, coconut milk and flavors and I can just chuck things together and it generally always works. It's, it is actually really, really easy. Sometimes it works well with coconut flour. I tend to use coconut flour more for changing the texture and taste. If people aren't used to the strong taste of banana flour, they might still want to add a little bit of coconut flour in because they might be used to that flavor and it's a good way to transition over. But I haven't met anyone that says I don't like the flavor. They're just not used to it. Uh, and if you don't let it become too too strong in your dish, then it's it's certainly something that I think most people would enjoy eating. Um, yeah, so just lots of experimenting. But a lot of the recipes are variations of each other. They're not so unique that it's its its own specific thing. They're just variations of maybe slightly different ratios of ingredients to come up with something a little bit different. So a pizza base has the same ingredients as something else but just done a little bit differently and cooked a little bit differently and then it's a pizza. So it's so versatile. <laughs> there you go. I don't know how you do that, Amy, because I don't think I've <laughs> ever just thrown ingredients together without following a recipe and without measuring and had it work. So I'm very much someone who just – I just get recipes like your recipes and other people's – I just get recipes and I oh, follow them and then yeah. it works. And that's that's how I cook. So I think I did that when I first started – when Dan showed me the recipe for crepes, I think for the next – three months I was if I wanted that crepe recipe I was looking at that crepe recipe and wasn't guessing and then just a little bit more playing around I just got so used to how it worked that I didn't need to anymore and then I adapted because I, I I knew how other ingredients work like arrowroot and coconut flour and things like that and once I and some things were an idea the cool cool thing has been that lying in bed some nights I've had an idea and then I've gone to make it and it's worked because of just what I knew in my head about how it worked and how other things work together. I had an idea just completely in my head and then it actually worked in the kitchen, which has been really exciting. So that means it's not hard to use because if I if I can use it successfully and I'm not a chef or anything like that, <laughs> then it means it's it, the recipes will be easy for people to follow and they can do other things they want with it, add different flavors. You can add so many different flavor combinations to change what you're making. If you're making it savory and you want different herbs and spices in there, you can add them into, say, the pizza base. And then your pizza base has changed to something different, different flavors, different textures. Uh, and then like crepes, you can turn them from sweet to savory crepes by what you put in the crepe batter. So, And then the pancakes. You'll love the pancakes. It still uses bananas 
um, and then a secret tip to make them really, really fluffy because it is a dense, a denser flour. So there are a few tricks in the recipes that have fluffiness about them to how to get them that way. And it's just, just a couple of easy techniques, nothing tricky. Um, yeah, you'll, you'll enjoy it. You'll, I think you'll like uh, making things with it. I think you're overestimating my cooking ability. Amy. No, like, no. I, well, I literally have now, so. I literally have a recipe card system on my table and I just oh, wow. read and follow those recipes. And like I've got a smoothie that I've been making three or four times a week in the mornings for probably the last three or four years and I still – and this may be just because I'm not a morning person and my brain isn't functioning yet, but I still pull out my <laughs> recipe card every morning and make my wow. smoothie according to my recipe card. Wow. Well, you, you you use my recipes then, don't you? don't well, have to play around with it. I've done will, all that work. <laughs> I will follow your recipes because I know your recipes work. I still have dreams about the uh, the marshmallows I made from your last <laughs> ebook because they were so good. In fact, we're heading so back good. up to the sanctuary, which is my little – holiday spots my little getaways where we have uh, no electricity and lots of open fires uh-huh. and so we're heading back up there with the kids in the next couple of weeks so i might have to pull out that marshmallow recipe and, give that and one make well. the banana bread um because that is what i take camping i love my my banana bread is so moist that it's beautiful when it's cold and then it's healthier again and i then like to fry it on whatever you're cooking on your camp, you know, on that stove or on the fire in a bit of ghee or coconut oil or butter if you're having butter. And then it's really – so it's nice just cold or fry it up with some sort of fat and eat it like that camping. It's just – it's my favorite. Besides the marshmallows, it's my favorite camping. So this is a banana thing. flour, banana bread. Yes. So you're basically yes. mixing bananas with bananas. Like it's- yes, exactly. <laughs> Sweet and not ripe and not ripe. You need overripe bananas and then you need – the flour that's not ripe at all and put those together and a couple of other things and you get a really nice banana bread. And I was in a cafe for a while there because it, was, it wasn't dried out and yuck like a lot of gluten-free banana breads are. Um, it's really, really moist so and filling. So a couple of slices is all you need and the kids kids will like that if they like bananas. Um, yeah, so I, that's what I recommend you take camping. <laughs> all right, there you go. Well, we've spoken a bit about the sweet stuff, Amy, because obviously that's where my taste buds go and it <laughs> sounds too. like that's where your taste buds go. <laughs> yeah. But what about the savoury stuff? You've got a whole savoury book with green <laughs> banana flour. So what sort of stuff are you cooking that's savoury with green banana flour? Well, there's bread. I've got a really, really nice fluffy bread, which is delicious. I think I want to make that this weekend, actually, Um, because I've got some native limes that I want to try and make into a bit of a jam or something and put on top. So it's like my vessel for anything interesting. I'm not a bread. I don't rely on bread anymore. Bread's, you know, I'm so past having to have bread in my life, but it is such a nice fluffy treat because so many gluten – Clint and I just yesterday on our Facebook page put a – shared a funny thing um, relating to the cyclone, a photo of the aisles of bread in a supermarket and how all the gluten-free bread was still left because it's not that nice. <laughs> People didn't – they stocked <laughs> up on milk and bread, but they didn't stock up on the gluten-free bread. And I lived off gluten-free bread for a long time. I know it's come a long way. I know there's some nice brands, um, but I have to say mostly it's cakey and mostly it's dry and mostly you have to cook it and fry it. It to be able to use it or toast it, sorry. Uh, but my bread is just fluffy and not dry. It's, it's yeah, it's really really nice. So and my mum has a lot of. Uh, she's always got some gluten free bread in the freezer just for the. She's pretty much paleo, but for the odd occasion, she just wants a bit of toast. She would just have that in the freezer. So maybe on a Sunday, she'll have one or two slices, and it lasts months in her freezer because she's got willpower. Um, and. She she loves my bread. I made it at her house 
and gave her some lily pilly jam that I'd made and she absolutely loved it. She said it's way fluffier and softer than uh, and just satisfying than any of the gluten-free breads she buys. So that's good. That's a nice testimonial. Uh, I've got chicken nuggets are one of my favorite things and I do these a lot at cooking demos on the sunny coast because it's so kid-friendly. It's a kid-friendly food, chicken nuggets. And the way I've uh, made the meat for the chicken is different. It's quite unique and it makes it really moist and juicy and yummy. And then the coating is so, so simple and easy to cook. And it's not even a double dip. You know, when you're doing coatings, you usually have to do your egg mix and a milk and then flour. You've got that three-step process. Um, yeah. Usually I cut that out with the banana flour because you don't need – Unless you're looking for a really, really thick coating, I think it's such a strong flavor. You only need that one layer of banana flour. So chicken nuggets is one of my favorites in the ebook. Pizza base. Um, I've got soft, soft shell tacos. And just before the ebooks were finished, and I was getting some photos of the tacos, so I just had to make them again to get some photos. I created a way to make them the shape of a taco. So even though they're soft. You can still form them in the shape of a taco so it holds that shape like a taco shell, the normal corn ones you buy at the supermarket. Yeah. It's not that crispy, of course, but it it's the shape, so it's really cool. Uh, I've got herb-crusted pork and chicken enchiladas. Oh, that was a really good creation <laughs> that I came up with. Um, really, really delicious. Uh, just a version of the original sort of crepe sort of recipe I evolved from Dan's recipe. Um, wraps, which is a very similar recipe. Fish and chips with lime aioli, which is really, really yummy. So if you miss that takeout fish and chips and you know you can't get anything decent near where you are, a lot of places will grill your fish in butter so you might be able to avoid the coatings or they might have gluten-free crumbs but you don't know what they're cooking it in. Mm. Um, you can really do an easy fish and chips at home. That's quite healthy and tasty. Um, and crackers, so you can have crackers and dips. So, yeah, lots of variety there of, of different uses for the banana flour. And then it can give people ideas. And I've added flavor ideas and things like that so people can still use their imagination or try something a little bit different still with the recipes. It's not about having to stick to the recipes unless you want to. There's lots of different ways uh, that you can use it just that go off track with the recipes. So sometimes I'm doing a demo and I'll show people something and they'll say, oh, I could do such and such with that and add that to it and my kid would love that. Oh, perfect, do it. That's yeah. fantastic. That's what I want people is to, you know, use their brain a little bit and, and take responsibility and feel good about what they're making in the kitchen. That's what their family is going to enjoy. So, yeah. Uh, great oh. job, Amy. <laughs> Thank you so much. Um, people are going to love this ebook. Um, I know I've loved all your other ebooks, and all your recipes have been great. So I'm going to have to get into these too. Um, obviously, yes. people can go and find out more about you at primalinfluence.com. Um, yes. They can find you on social media at Primal Influence and Instagram at Primal Influence. Um, and obviously, I'll have a link for everyone to be able to get access to these ebooks in the show notes of this episode. And also, I'll put it up on our uh, that Paleo Show Facebook page as well. So. Thank you so much for coming on board, Amy. Thanks, Brett. Enjoy your cooking. Will do. So until <laughs> next week, join the conversation on Facebook. Give us a five-star rating on iTunes. Join a newsletter list at thatpaleoshow.com and let's help grow the paleo tribe worldwide. Join us next week on That Paleo Show. 
This has been a production of TheWellnessCouch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on Facebook.com forward slash TheWellnessCouch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives. Whilst the Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners, these podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of the Wellness Couch podcasts.